Day two. Welcome everyone to the Magis Athletic Training Podcast, where we talk to guests from the entire spectrum of athletic training, sports performance, and entrepreneurship in athletic and sports performance space. But before we introduce our next guest, please do us a favor and click on that like button, hit that share button, and please hit that subscribe button. That is just a small way that you can help support and grow this channel and see more phenomenal guests like the one we have today. Today's guest is the PE teacher and head strength coach for the Lincoln North Star High School and founder, head coach of the LNS Gator Powerlifting Club. Our coach was awarded the NSCA Strength of America Award in 2016, the Nebraska State High School Weight Training Program of the Year in 2017, and the NHSSA Midwest Regional Strength Coach of the Year in 2018, NSCA Strength of America Award in 2019 recipient. He is also the owner of Athletic Results. Some of his previous roles include assistant strength coach at Immaculate High School, Mid-America Nazarene University, and numerous certifications, which include the Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist CSCS with the NSCA, and the U.S. Weightlifting Level 2 Certification. Our coach had the honor of being employed by the Department of Justice as a lieutenant and has served many years in the U.S. Army. Please join me in welcoming Coach Stuart Venable to our show. Welcome, Coach. Hey, thank you, Coach. I appreciate that introduction. Thank you very much for allowing me the opportunity to share with you today. Thank you very much. For those that are not familiar with you, Coach, can you give us a little bit about us? Who is Coach Venable? Uh, Coach Venable, I am a husband, a father. I am a grandfather. I um, left high school and went right into the military when I was a kid. I did seven years in the United States Army. Thank um, you very much for your service. You're, you're welcome. When I finished my, my tours of duty, I started with the Department of Justice and I worked um, at the United States Penitentiary in Leavenworth for 23 years. So I have 30 years, I retired with 30 years of government service back in 2012. And once that occurred, that is what um, compelled me to move to Nebraska to finish this journey into my career. So I finished my military experience, my law enforcement experience and now I wanted to be able to do the thing I'm the uh, the most passionate about is, is strength and conditioning I'm able to do that full time but to my surprise Nebraska didn't have it, at least Lincoln Nebraska didn't have any high school strength and conditioning coaches and I didn't want to do it at the collegiate level anymore because you know how that goes coach uh, head coach gets fired and you get fired and then you have to relocate yes my wife is the baby of 12 and this is her home and she didn't want to leave here so I wanted to do it at the high school level and I ended up having to go back to college to get my teaching certification at 50 years of age in order that I could get into the high school and uh, hopefully have some impact on those kids. So that's what I am currently doing now. Thank you. So you transitioned from the military um, into uh, strength conditioning, especially at the high school level. What was that transition like? Speak, speak to the transition of going from having multiple careers as um, in the military and then, you know, as a civilian and then transitioning to going into 
becoming a strength conditioning coach at the high school level? Yeah, um, interesting. It, it, it's an interesting transformation. You know, being in the military is, is one lifestyle and you get accustomed to that. And then you go into corrections, which we call it is a paramilitary unit. Most of the people employed by the uh, Department of Justice are former military. So 90% of us were military veterans. So in this paramilitary organization, so it's still very much structured and organized. You leave that and you go into the, the high school sector, even this, the civilian world as a whole, you know, we always say nobody's in charge out there. So when you get out of the military, out of a paramilitary organization where you have rank and you have structure and you get thrown into the civilian world, it's like, who's really leading us? Who's driving this bus? You know, am I working for somebody that's the same age as one of my kids? And I've been doing this longer than they've been alive. Um, to working, you know, you're working with adults primarily, um, both in the military and corrections. And that's kind of different because you're working with adults and you're working with also another group, which is incarcerated adults. You leave that environment and go into the high school setting where you're working with um, kids that are going through adolescence. It's definitely, um, it's definitely been an eye opener for me. Gotcha. So it seems as if one of the common things that I'm, that I am hearing throughout your career is that you have worked in environments that were very structured. Yes, I've worked in environments that are very structured and I like that. I like that in, in my life. And how is that translated into how you approach your training in the weight room? So again, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good question, Coach. You, you, you're causing me to reflect. Um, I like it being structured. I like my environment being structured. So as a coach, um, initially, I was very structured. My, my mentors were really structured. Um, so I was very structured. And I was that way, uh, being the head high school strength and conditioning coach, I was very structured until some circumstances presented them, themselves. And I realized that I had to change my coaching style if I was going to be successful in, in this field. Gotcha. And you spoke to um, some of your influences were very structured or some of your mentors. Who were some of your mentors in your coaching career and, and outside of your coaching career? And what was the impact that they had on you? A, a lot of the, the um, in, in my coaching career, uh, I didn't really have a coaching tree. Like most people have a coaching tree. They could, you know, I was an intern under this person or a GA under this person. Yes. My career didn't unfold like that. Um, so when I, I got to the point where I had a coaching mentor, I would say uh, Coach Cross was uh, Coach Tom Cross, um, and he passed away a couple of years ago, so may he rest in peace. Rest in but peace. Tom Cross was a huge influence on my career, and once he retired, he still stayed around, so I still had him as an influence, but Coach Whitney Rodden took his place at Mid-American Nazarene University, and with her coaching style, her and Coach Anna Martin were, again, big influences in my life. I'm very different than what I thought I was going to be as a coach. And um, Coach Boris Ehrman, who's a um, Russian weightlifting coach, um, and he was my coach as well. He was another huge influence um, in the way I coach and the way I thought about things. So I had uh, those four people that really impacted me, but um, 
I, I would add a fifth to that, Coach, because I heard you uh, use this person's name in a previous podcast, Brett Bartholomew. Um, he's a Nebraska boy, born and raised Omaha, and he's a he's a he's a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, and I still to this day reach out to him a lot. But um, with his communication and his art of coaching um, from his platform, he had a huge uh, influence in my life. I went to him when I was really struggling at a bad point in my coaching career to the point where I wanted to quit. Um, and he had such an influence. I always call him a mentor. I go, and he's somebody that's the same age as my oldest child. I'm like, man, I got a mentor that's young enough to be my son, but he's an incredible mentor. Gotcha. It's interesting that uh, you speak to, to Coach Brett. He actually lives here in the Atlanta area with me. So yeah. I haven't had the opportunity to meet him, but right. he is roughly about 30 minutes from, from where I live at. So um, I'm going to parlay that for a moment because we're going to come back to that to that specific conversation. Okay. So, so you spoke to five mentors that, you, um, that were very impactful and influential in your coaching career. But what were three takeaways that you took away from their coaching and their influence on you that you actually implement today? Like, what is the takeaway? I would, I would say from all of them, cause like I, I told you, I didn't have a coaching tree and my, my path is, is unconventional. Um, the thing that I took away from them and that they demonstrated in front of me numerous times was the importance of relationships. And I didn't understand that when I first got into this profession. And a lot of people talk about it now, like relationships are the most important thing, but what comes out of their mouth isn't evidenced by their actions. Um, but with, with, with the, the mentors I just mentioned, their actions preceded what came out of their mouth. I don't even know if I even heard them say how important relationships were, they just demonstrated. And if you could see their relationships with other people, I was like, wow, like that's incredible that they do this. Um, because my journey was to get, to be as good as I can, to be among the best and to turn this into an entrepreneurship. It was a business for me. And that's how I saw it. But when you get around coaches that are really coaches and that are involved with athletes um, over a prolonged period of time, and you see the relationships that they've built, uh, that is the biggest that's the number one biggest takeaway that it is all about relationships. It's not about the, uh, the sets and the, and, the, and the reps. And, you know, people always use that cliche because I heard somebody say this in one of your previous podcasts too, is, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And we don't even know who to attribute that, that, that quote to because everybody uses it, but they demonstrated how much they cared on a daily basis from their actions. And I saw that before I ever even heard that, that, that quote before. So, um, so I would say that's, that, that's the other biggest thing is, is relationships and actual caring about your athletes is more important than what we do on a daily basis. And that your work is a reflection of, of who and what you are, I would say it would be the third takeaway. Thank you. So those are some great takeaways. Um, Staying right in that pocket, what is the skill set that you have, Coach, that you would say, because of this skill set, this has been the most important skill set that I have that has helped me become successful as a coach? 
Com command presence is how I would answer that. Um, and I didn't know exactly what that is. It's a military phrase, command presence. Um, and, and that has helped me uh, tremendously. So what, what that is in, in, in layman's terms is your ability to, to control a room. And I remember when I started here in Nebraska as a high school strength and conditioning coach um, and my supervisor from the district, he came to, to observe me for the very first time. And he said, uh, you're, you're a floor general. And he said, you run that floor. And I know most strength and conditioning coaches believe that they're that. Um, I didn't think that of myself at the time. I just remember what my coaches said that what you do is a reflection of who and what you are. So if you look through the window, and this is what Coach Cross used to say, if you look through the window of any uh, strength coach's weight room, you can see what type of coach that they are. Like you wouldn't even have to come in my weight room. You could just look through the window and see what was going on in the weight room. And you knew if I was a squared away coach or if I was faking. Um, so yeah, I guess that, that, that would be uh, my biggest thing is my, my command presence. Help me before anything else, because after that communication comes. But that came later with my involvement with with uh, Brett Bartholomew, and then what I learned from Coach Cross and Coach Rodden and Coach Martin. So I think that command presence speaks a lot to your leadership skills, leadership ability, and there is two types of leaders. I don't know the actual academic terms in which they are called. One of them is a positional leader. So he is a leader by title. And one is a leader that people buy into and they follow him through his actions. How do you feel your leadership style falls into those two categories? Do you feel that you're more of a positional leader through your command presence? Or do you feel that your command presence is a reflection of your character and how much um, your athletes see that you care and, and are genuine. So as a result of, of you expressing that authenticity with your athletes, they are able to follow you, you know, lock and step. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's definitely the latter. I, initially, I thought it was because, you know, I'm big and black. <laughs> That's why I had the command presence when people say, when you have a command presence, like when you I walk think in, people know. Yeah, I'm I like, think it's that deep voice, Coach. Yeah, I think it's that deep voice. Yeah, so you put the deep voice with the bald head, with the beard, with the, hey, he's 6'1", he's 250, you know, people going to see you. And I get that part, and that's where initially I thought it came from, the command presence part, but it, it, it doesn't. All of that helps. Believe me, that part helps with that, but the, the command presence comes from the authenticity that I keep with my kids because they understand that what they see is what, this is the real coach V and I don't change for anybody. Like the way I am is the way I am. So yeah, gotcha. it's definitely the latter of the two. Gotcha, so we spoke to your strengths. Now, uh, during your coaching career, what do you think is the one skill set that was hardest for you to pick up and master? You know, most coaches feel like, hey, I am, I am, I am the end all be all when it comes to coaching. But we all know that a lot of times is that we're blind to our own weaknesses and blind to our own um, deficiencies. So once you became a little bit more self-aware about your coaching style 
and how you know the coaching staff perceived you, your athletes received you. What was the one skill set that you said, hey, this is something that I need to work on? And how did you address that? <laughs> hey, uh-huh. that, that, yeah, that's a hey, that's another good question. And and um yeah, you, you got me with that. Yeah, I have an answer. I, I know what my weaknesses are, and I know the, the most prevailing one. Um my my daughter turned me, she goes that you're, you're not tolerant of ignorant people. Um, and I'm not, I, I, uh, I have a, a, in my mind, I have a vision or I have a method for doing something and I think it should go this way. And if you are contrary to that, then you have to be able to explain to me why. And if you can't, then I really don't have time for you um, because I'm, a, I'm an old man. I always say, hey, I don't have much long. I got one foot in the grave and the other one on a banana peel. I don't have time to mess with people who don't know. So yeah, my, my biggest weakness is my intolerance of, of ignorance. And if you don't know and you know you don't know and you need help, I get that. I'm here for you with that. But if you don't know and you know you don't know and you're faking because of your position, your title, like you spoke to earlier, I, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to explain to you um, why we're doing it this way when you want to do it the way you did back in the 80s when you were in college. That means nothing to me. The, 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 the professional strength and conditioning has went on for 40 years since you were in college. Things have changed and you haven't kept up with them. So for us to keep doing what you did back in the 80s makes no sense to me. And I don't have time to explain to you why we shouldn't do it that way. You should go read a book or attend a conference. So my intolerance of, of ignorance um, has, and the reason I laughed when you asked me initially, it's got me into a lot of hot water because I, I don't understand why certain people are, are allowed in certain positions because of their title. You know what I mean, coach? Yes, yes. So it's, it's interesting you say that um, in, in having a very transparent conversation. So I think that sometimes there is a time to learn and be quiet. There is a time to speak. Understanding the difference in the two, to me, is critical to success. In saying that, um, I'll share a brief experience with you. <clears throat> so, you know, I have several certifications, have been training for several years. Um, and going back to, to, to school and taking some classes, we had to take some classes, you know, to, to complete some degrees. Right. With that being said, in some of these classes, I'm very quiet and, and it's intentional because I understand that I know what I know. I know that I'm very well studied. I understand that every single day, it is my goal, A, to read a minimum of 20 pages, B, learn at least one new thing, and C, apply at least one thing that I read from the previous day within 24 hours. So those are three principles that I I apply to my career. Right. With that being said, when I was in this particular um, 
fitness class at a local university, I didn't say what my title was. I was just a student because in that particular environment, my role was student. My role was not to be trainer, coach. It was to be student. But I also say that because when you're in certain environments and you add a title and you say that this is my title, it adds an expectation of knowledge. And in adding that expectation of knowledge, it can also be a hindrance of learning new knowledge. Because in this particular environment, had I said, I am, you know, coach a lot of late, trainer a lot of late, these are my credentials. When the instructor was teaching something, it would have been assumed based upon my title that I should know this. And because it's assumed that I should know it, that's where our egos start to play a part and we're scared to ask because it's assumed that we should know it and we're embarrassed that we don't know it. And sometimes that title could be the hindrance to actually learning something new. So, you know, when it comes to being in um, that training room, there, there's a time and place to just be quiet and say, hey, let's follow your, your, your play coach. And I may not say anything because I, I may have a difference of opinion, but after that training session, best believe I'm gonna come back and pick your brain and say, hey coach, why did you do it this way? From my understanding, this is how I would have approached it X, Y, Z. And then we can have a discussion because you know, in training, there's always multiple ways to the goal. It's not just quote unquote, my way or the highway. There's always a, a plethora of different, uh, different routes to get there. So just being able to have that self-awareness to say, hey, this isn't about me, it's not about my title, but let me just part this question in the back of my mind so that after this training session is over, me and coach can sit down, break bread and, and, and see the difference of how I would approach it, how he's approaching it and see not necessarily that one is right, but one may be right for one environment and one may be right for another environment or one may be right for one's approach to how they train. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. And I understand that my, my level of ignorance is um, what, what I'm talking about is a little different. So say um, we're at high school, you're in charge of the swim team. We're both PE teachers and the swim team, the lifeguard certifications, the water games, all those classes are yours. So if I get two of those classes and you teaching four of them, you would expect that I knew something about water, right? At least be able to swim. Yes. Yeah. So they gave me two classes and I tell you, I can't swim. And you go, I'll help you. Let me show you how. And I go, no, I don't really have time for that. I'm going to play golf because I like golf, but yet I take two swim classes. And you go, but you know, kids are going to be in the pool. And if something happens, you're going to have to be able to save them. I got it. I know I'll throw them a donut and they'll be okay. 
that that's the type of thing that, that, that infuriates me. You know, we had a um, we had a professional development meeting yesterday um, for all the PE teachers in our district. There are 12 people on it. We had one the week before. There were uh, five people on it. The one the week before that, about eight people on it. And I get frustrated because the people that are in charge of the weight rooms in the high schools, they don't show up for the professional development that's related to strength and conditioning. And I'm like, th this makes no sense to me. And I have very little tolerance for them because if I go in the weight room, you will see technique that, 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 that would make you cringe. And you're like, I don't understand why you're not getting that you need this or that somebody over you is not saying you have to go to this training. But as long as you're, you know, in a certain position, have a certain title, you can do that. And that's, that's the thing that, that almost, <laughs> almost got me jammed up before. It's, it's, when, it, when it's in that position, then I will be more outspoken about it. And people are like, hey, just relax. It's been this way for 20 years. You're not going to change anything. That's what I don't have tolerance for. Yeah, but when it puts your athletes and your students at, you know, a uh, pre, if, when it makes them predisposed to injury and getting hurt, and, you know, when something goes down, it's like, oh boy, I wish I would have listened. Right, right. Hindsight is always 2020. Always 2020, coach. <laughs> so, so speaking to um, professional development, what are five books that you would recommend that any coach read? Wow. Um, I, I have a favorite author, and, and um, that's Ryan Holiday, The Obstacle is the Way, The Ego, uh, um, uh, the ego is the Enemy. Um, he just released one, uh, Stillness is the Key, that makes a trifecta for that. So definitely anything written by Ryan Holiday, and he's probably written 10 books by now, but those three are, are my top. Um, without a doubt, Brett Bartholomew's Conscious Coaching. Um, when he gets into self-reflection, I know everybody likes the part about the different archetypes, and that's interesting, but when he gets into the um, self-reflecting and looking at yourself and seeing what you bring to the table, so definitely uh, conscious coaching. And then Ryan Holiday's mentor was Robert Greene. So anything by Robert Greene, the 48 Laws of Power, Mastery. Um, I, I love all the Robert Greene stuff too. So any of those I would highly recommend. Um, gotcha. I, I read a lot. I read, it, and my wife is in the office working now, but I have five bookshelves. It covers almost two walls in that office with books. And then my most favorite books in the bedroom on, on a bookshelf, but it's five shelves on that one bookcase. Um, and then my most favorite favorite by my nightstand, I'm sitting between two statues of the thinker. Um, so I read a lot. The last book I, I just got Amazon delivered breath to me yesterday and oxygen advantage comes today. So okay. I'm, I'm always reading. So. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So. What is one moment as a coach in your coaching career where you had an interaction with one of your athletes or with a client that you knew that in that moment that it transcended that training session? That this is, this is about life, that, that you knew that you had an impact that when this person walked out of that training room, that they knew that their life has been changed because they had an interaction with you. Um, man, that there, there's, there's been a lot, but, um, so the thing is when you said that jumped out to me was I had a young man and he was trying to do 
a clean one day, a power clean. And I only let them miss three times. If and I got that's just something I got from from Coach Cross and and uh, from Coach Ehrman. More than three lifts, you are ingrained some bad motor patterns, and that's just what they said. I never questioned it. So even to this day, that's something that I do without even I don't don't even know what if there's research to substantiate that. But I had a young man that's trying to clean, and he missed it three times. He's trying to clean 225. He's a track athlete, a good track athlete, and he missed it three times, and I stopped him. And uh, and that was the end of it. So it's no big deal. You missed three times, stop everybody. He's, he's seen me do it before, and he broke down on the platform and and literally um, started started crying. And I couldn't believe that he was doing this over a lift. Um, so I talked to him a little bit, and, and he just said, please, let me, let me try again, let me try again. I let him try two more times and he got it on his fifth attempt. But it's the anniversary that his mother had committed suicide. So he wanted to get it for her. And I didn't know that until after he was successful in that lift that he told me that part. Before, when he broke down and started crying, and I didn't understand why are you crying over, it's a clean, it's 225. He just wanted to do it. Please let me try again, let me try again. Okay, you can try again. I was like, if it means that much that he's crying, I'll let him try two more times. So I'll let him try two more times. And like I said, he got it on the fifth, on the fifth. And then he really started crying. And then he explained it to me, it made sense. So that's one that, that, that really, that really resonates for me. You know, I, I have students to come back home and, and we'll meet for lunch or we'll meet for coffee. I have students to DM me on, on a consistent basis. Coach, how's it going? How you doing? How's it going? Where you are now, as opposed to where I was previously, stuff like that. Just enough that they care enough to keep in touch with the old man and see what the old coach is up to. I, I, I know that their time and me wasn't, wasn't in vain. Gotcha. So we also spoke to you, um, your ownership as a, as a strength conditioning coach through your own entrepreneurship um, endeavors. Can, can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. I um. I was, I was going to say, you can see those goats on the wall behind me, and there's a turkey in the corner, and there's a bear, and there's another bear. Um, so I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to hunt. In addition to my reading, those are my hobbies. And, don't uh, hunt, you don't eat. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I grew up uh, hunting and fishing, so I, I, I love that. Um, but the, the, the money I make from my primary occupation is for my family, pay our, our bills like everybody has, for my hobbies, the fun stuff I like to do. Um, that money comes from my, my entrepreneurship. So I didn't want to take away from my family. Um, you know, I'll eat bear, but my wife and daughter, they won't eat bear. <laughs> so I, but I'll eat bear. Um, so I didn't want to take away from our family income and how we have our money allocated for the, the things that I like to do. Um, so that's the thing that started me with my, my entrepreneurship. Initially, when I worked for when I was in the military and in the prison system, it was my way to stay connected to strength and conditioning. So I'm in the military, I'm training people on the side after our duty day on the weekends. I went to the Department of Justice, I'm doing the same thing. I'm training people before I go to work and do my shift, after my shift, on the weekends, whatever. Um, now, after I've retired, it, it's just my way of, of taking care of, um, of my hobbies without messing with our families um, consistent income, if that makes gotcha. sense. Gotcha. A way to buy the toys. Yes, absolutely. A way to buy the toys. Thank you. 
what has been um, your biggest hurdle in, in your entrepreneurship? Because, you know, statistically, most businesses or most entrepreneurs will fail in business within the first five years. You've been able to have um, a sustained success over many, many, many years. What do you think is the key to your success in entrepreneurship? Um, the, the same thing that has been the key for me for training athletes this entire time, um, what we spoke to earlier is about the, the relationships. Um, the same way I have good relationships with the, the kids in, in, um, at school, I have the good relationships with the kids that come to me for a business. I, I, don't, I don't go out and try to recruit the kids that are in the newspaper, that are on social media, that are number one on the school. The kids that get the, the DM scholarships, uh, they, they get the division one scholarships. I'm not DMing those kids. I'm not calling them, sending them texts saying, come over here and train with me for free so I can get a picture of them. Um, my relationship is, uh, I, if I had an avatar for my entrepreneurship, it's middle school kids and it's the kids that aren't athletes or they haven't um, hit their full potential yet. I want the kids that don't get noticed. I want the kids that you think can't walk and chew gum, and I want to develop them into an athlete and have you coming after them. So my success has been because I'm not going after the best of the best. I'm going after the ones that I feel that need me to help them. Gotcha. And in hearing that, it, it sounds as if that you're very intentional in the athletes that you choose, that you're picking athletes, um, for lack of better words, that may have gone unnoticed or fallen through the cracks. Right. Um, but also may also lack um, some self-esteem, self-awareness and things of that. So it seems as if not only are you training them as athletes, but you're actually help, helping them develop their character. Is, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that, that would be a correct assessment, Coach. I think that's one of the biggest um, uh, items of feedback that I get from the parents of these athletes is how much more confident they are going out for a sport or playing the sport when they see them on the court or the track or the field that they ex exude that, that, that confidence about them and that brings their other skill levels up. So yeah, the, the strength and condition is just a platform um, for help developing uh, the character. Thank you. And lastly, what's next for Coach Venable? Retirement. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's the truth. Uh, um, October 2027, I can retire and I'll have two uh, full teacher retirement. So I'll have my federal law enforcement retirement, my full teacher retirement. And I'll be less than two years from Social Security. So I can do whatever it is I want to do for the rest of my days that the creator allows me to stay on this earth. Um, that being said, I won't go into full retirement. I've done that before. When I left the prison system, I went into, hey, I'm retired. I can go fishing every day. That's not as nice as most people think it is. After about three weeks, um, my wife she's, was like- She's ready to take you out the house. Yeah, she was like, if you think you're gonna sit on your butt and do nothing while I work every day, you got another thought coming. And then she kept giving me this honeydew list. And I was like, I might as well be at the prison and put up with this kind of crap. So I, I went back to school and got my teaching certification, but I, I am just as passionate. You know, if anybody sees my social media account now, I'm just as passionate now about this field as I was when I entered it back in the 80s. 
Um, so I will always have my feet, you know, I might be retired, but I'll still train two, three groups a day and then, you know, take the other half day for studying and meditation. How do you keep that passion? Because, you, you know, a lot of times in this, in this field, it can, it can really, those, the long training days, you know, training three, four groups a day, you know, having 12, 14, 16 hour days um, can really create a lot of wear and tear and burnout. Right. Um, how, how do you keep that passion? Yeah, um, the passion comes from the reward. You know, the results we see from we, that we get from the, the, the athletes or the students that we're training. You know, I even have an adult class now and I had four or five adults in my garage training last night. When you see a person that initially doesn't even know the name of an exercise and now they're doing it with really solid form and then they start adding weight to it and they start getting excited about it. I can't, it, it their excitement, it rejuvenates me as well. And I, that's what I always tell uh, my neighbors is, man, the kids keep me young. They get so excited about this and so excited about their accomplishments. I, I just can't see not doing this anymore. And you're right, it, it, it can uh, burn you out. Brett Bartholomew talks a lot on, on this subject. It can burn you out. But if you allocate time, and, and I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm diligent about this, time for my family, time for myself for study and self-reflection, time to unwind. And if you can do that, and, and manage to be present, be where your feet are, uh, I think that will that will take care of the burnout. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, speaking, speaking of that, it sounds like you're, you're, what you're saying is that, you know, you need to be able to find balance and, and find ways to, as you said, be present. One of the takeaways that, um, or one of the ways that I've learned to be present is something that I've actually picked up from um, a strength conditioning coach over at SMU, Coach Kaz Kazadi, I actually had the opportunity to see him at the Hammer Strength Clinic here in Georgia. And he talked about being present. And what that meant was just standing barefoot in an area and just being grounded with the, with, with the earth or the environment and just taking a moment before you do anything just be present, take in that environment and be present in the moment. And that's, that is one of the takeaways that, that I've learned from, from Coach Kaz. Yeah, wow, that's, that's intense. I, I like that. I know uh, Kaz and Pat Iver both sitting at the table with me when my coach uh, Tom Cross was inducted in the Hall of Fame. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty, I like that coming from cause. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. <laughs> Stand barefooted and, and, and embrace my environment. I like that. Thank you. I appreciate trust, that. Trust me, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. There right. are moments where I've literally done that. So um matter of fact, probably about two or three weeks ago, me and my wife went to the park on a picnic. And you know, being a student, being an employee, being an entrepreneur being a husband, being a father, I wear so many hats that it's, right. you know, it's very challenging for me to be in the moment. Right. To be very present in the moment and not be thinking about, you know, hey, well, this client, that, this assignment, this, this coach, that. 
So um, we were we were on a picnic at a at a park here in Atlanta, and my wife was just like, "Babe, are you here?" And that was enough to trigger me to let me know that I wasn't there. So I actually did take my my wife did as well. I do believe we both took off our shoes and socks, and we just we just stood to be present, you know in that moment to, to just be present, you know, and it just felt different. And, yeah. you know, there, there are some studies that, that show that when you stand barefoot um, in nature, that it, it does release some toxins and things of that nature. I don't uh -huh. know how accurate they are. However, right. you know, in regards to me, it just allowed me mentally to be very present in that moment. Yeah, that's powerful. Wow. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to use that. Thank you. And as we um, are starting to come to the conclusion, is there anything that we have not talked about that you would like to to touch on? Um, you know, we 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 talked about the relationship aspect of it, and and, and that's huge. Um, I've given a presentation on a teenage brain twice. Um, I've given this presentation, and the. The, the key takeaway is that they're with the young athletes, the young athletes, the, the adolescents, um, their brain isn't fully developed. The frontal lobe doesn't develop until you're 25 or 26 years of age. And, and, and that's known. Um, so a lot of the stuff that they do, it, it's not their fault. I mean, they're responsible for the actions. I always say this in the presentation. They're responsible for the actions and their consequences for the actions. And they have to understand that. But as adults, we need to understand that the frontal lobe isn't fully developed. And that's um, your seat of executive decision-making. That's where you use good judgment, sound judgment, reason, weigh the pros and the cons of a situation. Think of the consequences of your actions. They don't have that. Um, so as adults, our role is to guide them through that period of time in their life. And this was the thing that caused me from being I say my coaching style was very militaristic. And the thing that got me away from being so militaristic in my coaching style was I, I had two, I had two students that committed suicide and they committed suicide when they were um, students of mine. I mean, I have them in the class, five other teachers had them in the class. I get that part, but they were, it was actually during the semester where they were my students and I had no idea that they were gonna take their own lives. And I was so focused on teaching them how to squat, teach them how to snatch, that I didn't know what was going on in their life. And the fact that my real job is to guide them and to get them to adulthood where they become productive citizens. My real job is not to teach them to squat and to snatch because once they're dead, you realize how irrelevant the other stuff is that you have to work on that relationship building and knowing your student athletes. So if I had to leave you with a, part, a parting thought, that, that would be it. Thank you. That's, um, that resonates. I won't go into to great detail, but it does resonate um, with me. Uh, being fully transparent, I am a two-time suicide attempt survivor. Uh, the second time, I was in a coma for a week and a half. Wow. So, um, yes, it, it's it's a it's a very uh, sombering um, reflection. 
Yeah. But you know, just 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 thank you for for sharing that story with me. Yeah. Um, thank you. And this is the part where you get to decide who's next on our podcast. So who are three individuals that you would like to see on the Magic's Athletic Training Podcast? Um, Brett Bartholomew, without a doubt. Um, Jenny Rierich is another one I'd like to see. She talks a lot about communication and relationships. Um, so Brett Bartholomew, Jenny Rerick, and I have a friend in, in, in Nebraska and her name is, is Amber Burson and she's a strength and conditioning coach at Lexington High School. She's out in, uh, I would say Western Nebraska and she'll say Central Nebraska and she's doing an incredible job. She's a strength and conditioning coach. She's also an athletic trainer, um, but I like seeing females doing well in this field and, and whatever I can do to help them or promote them, I will. Um, and a lot of times they go unnoticed. Uh, if there's a fault to our profession is um, we don't have enough minorities, we don't have enough females. So anything you can do to bring both of those populations up, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. But, but Amber is doing an incredible job up there. And if I had to turn my daughter over to somebody else to train tomorrow, it would be her. So yeah, Amber Burson and Lexington. So those would be my three. Well, communication and a female coach. I would love to have them on our show. If there's some way that you can help assist in, in connecting us, I would be more than happy to have all three of those individuals on our show. Um, I know that I can't remember her name off the top of our top of my head, uh -huh. but the uh, strength and conditioning um, director at uh, Bethune Cookman is also a woman. Yes. Um, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but she's definitely um, a very successful young lady in this field. Yeah. And she would be an excellent person to have on. My, my little brother is an athletic trainer like you. He's going back to school so he can become a physician assistant now. But he, um, I believe, worked with her when, when he was at Bethune-Cookman. He's at New Smyrna High School as an athletic trainer now. But he worked with her at Bethune Cookman and he said that she is just an incredible coach. So, hey. Yes, I've I'm had the opportunity to, to, to listen to her speak. Right. So, just left me in awe. Okay, good, good. Yeah. But then let's try to get her on too, then, coach. So, I'll do uh, what I can to support you in those efforts. Thank you. And just lastly, where can our viewers and listeners find you at on social media if they want to get in contact with you? Uh, I'm on, I'm predominantly on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but I rarely check those. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is to go to my Instagram. Um, and it's this coach Venable, uh, one word, just like that. So you go to coach Venable and they can find me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram. I'm on there numerous times during the day. Thank you. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for this opportunity to speak. And again, viewers, um, you can find Coach Renable on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. But as he stated, he, you can find him mainly on Instagram at simply Coach Renable. And if you'd like to support this podcast, please make sure to like, share, and to subscribe to our podcast so you guys get all of those notifications of our upcoming podcast. And Coach Renable, I will leave you with our parting words.
Coach, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. I appreciate the opportunity to share. Um, it was just as interesting listening to you as it was listening to myself talk. Um, so again, thank you for the opportunity and the, and the platform. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, listeners, this is Coach Lay, and we out.